my very first episode on this podcast called About Life with Melina Muradasian. My name is Melina and I'm so excited and inspired to start this podcast and sharing my story and vulnerability alongside other great top guest speakers that I will be inviting to help you and support you embrace the real source of empowerment and to find the confidence and courage in life. And for those who don't know me, I'm an actress, I'm a writer and producer and founder of the nonprofit Humans for the Arts. And I was originally born and raised in Germany. And both of my parents are Persian. And they left Iran back then, right when the revolution started and moved to Europe. And we lived in quite an affluent area and white dominant neighborhood. And I went to a very strict Catholic school and I was the only kid you could probably say who had like brown hair and was slightly tan. And there was nothing wrong about that, but I definitely had difficulties fitting in. And so I got bullied, is what I'm trying to say, pretty much from day one in school until my very last day. And so we're talking almost like 15, 16 years of bullying. And it really taught me a lot of lessons in life that I like to share with many of you, especially because I keep discovering and hearing that a lot of times people want to fit in and try to fit in, but there is so much beauty of not being able to fit in and just having a certain uniqueness. And everyone does have that, but running against the crowd, which does take a lot of courage and, and you have to be very brave and have faith in yourself. And so I didn't have that courage or I didn't have that confidence back then as a kid. I wanted to just fit in and be part of the group and class at any time. But I kept struggling with it and I came to a point where it got really bad because I got really beaten up every day. And my mom, unfortunately, at that time, she didn't speak the language, which was very unfortunate. Plus, I'm not, you know, saying that she's a bad person because she couldn't help me. But what I do say, and that's something that a lot of young people have to just understand that our parents did their best they could. They really did. And, you know, as a child, everything that happens to you, you take it very personal. And when you're in a position where you don't have enough power or to take responsibility, you start blaming other people. And I got really upset with my mom back then because I felt like I needed the support. And my dad wasn't home at all because he was working all the time. And so I literally just went back to school every day where kids would honestly just wait for me so they would beat me up. And teachers didn't do much about it. Plus, I do have to say back then in Germany uh, in school, the teachers weren't great at all. They honestly didn't even like me. And so they didn't help me whenever I screamed for help. But 
there is something that I've discovered, which is that very often we have a superpower in us and everything that people criticize about us might be just our biggest gift. And who I was at that time wasn't wrong and nor was it wrong from them. And I'm not saying those are bad people. I don't believe in good or bad, but I do believe in people who are joyful and people who are miserable. And people who are joyful happen to make good choices and uh, people who are miserable happen to make bad choices. And so that's just how they were growing up. And by the time I finished my school my parents wanted me to continue another three years to get my A-levels, which is the highest graduation that you can get from school. But I wasn't a big fan of it because I was really suffering throughout that entire time. Also because there were so many other aspects and factors, which I will be in the next few episodes tell you why I'm not a big fan of the school system or of universities. But I pretty much went through school thinking that I had ADD. Uh, because the, that's what the teachers were telling me. And they were telling my mom that she should go and get like pills and medicine and just give me all these pills and stuff to cure me, pretty much. And thankfully, my mom has never done that. And they were telling my mom that I was just looking out of the window all the time and I had problems focusing. But the reason really why... I was looking out of the window, daydreaming. That really is a superpower. Kids who daydream know that that is actually a great, great sign. Dreaming is very important and a very important aspect of our lives. And I was just not inspired of whatever we were doing in school. But every time I was playing soccer or would do something creative and something that I would just truly enjoy in life, I was the best version of myself. And thankfully, my mom believed this and she was protecting me. And she never gave me the medicine. She she said that I, she doesn't believe in medicine. She believes that we can heal and cure ourselves by ourselves without any of these stupid chemicals that certain people think we have to put in our body to become a better version of ourselves. And I was very talented back then when I played, you know, soccer. I truly just was in the highest state of frequencies, you could say, because it got so... It, it really was the only time where I truly felt alive and it was discovered by other people as well because at one tournament I was discovered by the manager for the national soccer team of Germany and this woman came over with another guy and they saw me playing and they said well who's this little girl we would love to give her a test training so I got this offer to play for the national soccer team but my parents have both declined out of the reason because the it would have taken me out of school, which, by the way, was perfect for me to not go back to school anymore and start homeschooling. And I do believe very much in homeschooling. There would have been three times a day training, and my parents just didn't want that. They were huge academics, and they believed in education more than 
a lot of people out there, but they didn't believe that it was stable enough for me to go and just have an athletic career. And so a few years later, I went back, you know, I mean, I went back to school and a few years later, I decided just to quit soccer because to me, there was no reason anymore why I should have continued. I was just discouraged and uninspired uh, because the biggest offer was pretty much denied for me. And so I made up a deal with my parents and I said, look, once I graduate from school, I get my A-levels, but then I'll do whatever I want. And they said, sure. And it was always a secret of mine that I wanted to become an actress. Really, no one in my family believed that that was something that I would love to do because I was very quiet as a child. And so when I graduated, I didn't really know how to do it. I didn't know, you know, what way to go in in order to pursue that. And so I, the only thing that I did know was I just wanted to leave Germany. I just wanted to leave that country. I didn't have any emotional connection in terms of that, that would keep me there. And so I, I found a way through talking to a friend that I could go and do like a travel exchange year in the U.S., And I thought, wow, you know, the U.S. was always like this country where dreams come true. And I thought, well, there is a story. I can, I could start right here. And so I applied to this program where you just spend one year in, in a foreign country and you live with a family, you go and you take, you know, you collect cre uh, college credits. And it was very uh, well known for Europeans because it would, be great to have on a resume because it shows that you speak another language and you have responsibility and, and living in another country really, you know, teaches you a lot. And so I've done that and I ended up coming to the US and live in New York. And the first family that I lived with was really great. I felt at home. It was definitely a challenge at any time because I was only 20 and I didn't really, you know, it's, it's quite a frightening to live in another country on your own, but they had three kids and I was taking care of those three kids and I was doing really well. And then slowly after a few months, I, I started going online and looking into like acting classes. And I found, you know, I Googled like the best acting classes in New York and I found a school where I went and they had like a summer program. And I thought, this is great. This gives me an idea on how it is to, you know, be an actress. And so I applied and I got enrolled. And the best thing about it was I could collect college credits with it as well. So I said, I don't have to go to a language school, which my English back then was already good. I, I was, you know, conversationally strong enough to, to speak with other people. And after my first day in acting school, I truly, I think that day changed my entire life. I do remember just leaving that class and remembering that for the first time I was welcomed. People were open, people were interested in me and I just felt alive. That feeling when you feel alive and it just feels right that's what I was feeling. And so 
I said, this is what I want to do. I knew right then. And so I went home and I just got excited. And all I wanted to do was just watch old movies and catch up with all the material that you had to know as an artist. And after one year has passed, the family, unfortunately, their child got, you know, older and they didn't need a nanny anymore. And so there was an opportunity to move on with another family, which I've done. And so I went into a rematch and I found another family uh, who lived in Westchester, Larchmont. And that year became one of the hardest years in my entire life. It was a different experience. There are kids... They also had three kids, but they were older. I believe the youngest son was 11, and then the daughter, uh, 12, and the oldest daughter, 15. And there were so many familiar, which I will come back to that word, because the Latin word, uh, famille, I think uh, it is, really brought me back into my childhood, uh, where I got bullied in Germany. Those three kids were calling me names every day. They were telling me what to do. They were controlling me and forcing me around. And you have to understand that someone who has been through so much trauma or through so much bullying in their childhood, they turn into a victim position. And you think everyone is against you. The entire world is against you. And it was very hard for me to set boundaries and say no. And I became a people pleaser because I just wanted to be liked by everyone. And it got so bad that at some point also, the mom has done something that made me feel really uncomfortable and that made me quit with this family, which was, and that's a very vulnerable story to tell because I've never told this story to anyone and now I'm, I'm sharing this with you because I want you to really understand that certain things happen to us for certain reasons and sometimes you know shit happens and that's just what it is and embracing what we feel is just the best thing to do and to admit it in those moments and it was that when I wanted to go downstairs to ask for my schedule she was in her bedroom and when I asked her if she already knows my schedule for the next week, she just started taking her clothes off. And she, it got to a point where she was just fully naked. And then she invited me inside into the bedroom, which made me just, you know, go blank. And, and I got so lost and confused that I just said, you know what, uh, you can just text me my schedule. And I left. And I told that story to maybe one person only which was my Australian friend back then and she said you have to mention this to the agency and every girl back then had like an LLC which is like a coordinator who takes care of you in in every area and when I told that to my LLC she was so shocked but she also just ignored it and I called in a meeting with the family and her and I said, look, we got we to gotta mention this. We have to announce this and, and talk about this because this can't be, I cannot do this for a whole year feeling so uncomfortable. And so when we had that meeting, she was mentioning that I felt uncomfortable and that the kids aren't being really nice to me. But she has never mentioned the fact that the mom got naked in front of me and made me feel like really uncomfortable. 
And the couple back then, they already had like a few issues because the dad was already sleeping downstairs on the couch and she was sleeping in her bedroom. So whatever was going on, that was their shit. And to come back to what I said about kids or, you know, we grow up, we think because due to our childhood, we take things immediately personal because worse, you know, we, we think everything has to do with us, but that wasn't even my shit. That was their shit. So whatever she had to think or believe or prove to herself that she's good enough, it wasn't my problem. But And yet it became because I felt uncomfortable that she just got naked in front of me. And so she, we, we left this meeting having never talked about that. And then I said, okay, well, I got to go into a rematch again. And I started interviewing with other families to find a new family to move on. And I found a single dad with a child who had the child only for like three days, but he was a really cool guy. And this time I asked him all kinds of questions. I thought this is, you know, my chance to really be honest and just ask like if the kid has, uh, if the kid has allergies or if, you know, if I don't know if he's a drug addict or something, what is going on? Like, I need to know who you are, what you're doing, how you live, because I cannot deal with another family like that. And he sounded great. He was a fitness guy and he said, you know, my kid is great. I'm doing, uh, she's doing great. She sleeps well and so on and so on. And I said, great, so let's move on with him. And I moved into his place. And quickly it turned out that his child had tantrums. And to just explain, Blaine, you know, tantrums can be very difficult for kids even. You know, the kid is just suffering through that. So you need to have a child care taker who is really qualified for that. And I didn't have any certification for that. And so I said, dude, I can't. Your child is like screaming and crying all day long. And when I say all day long, I say really from the morning until the very late night, even throughout the night, because my room was right next to the kid's room and my closet was open to her room. So you could basically go through my closet into her room. And so I called in a rematch again and there were so many problems coming with it because as an au pair, you get a college credit that the family pays for. And I still had mine that I had to pay for, but the previous family that had to pay for it never did it because my LLC has never mentioned that, which is her task to do. And so the only thing that I could have done was pretty much to get it from this guy. And it wasn't a great situation, but we were only paid $5 at that time just because they provided us with food and, and accommodation. And $5, though, didn't help at all to live in, in like a, you know, qualitative, like, good way in New York, in a city like New York. And I can see why the guy got pissed, but at some point you, I had to just do something where I protected myself and, and survive because I didn't know anyone. And so he got pissed and 
usually they would allow you to stay with them until you found a new family. But that guy, a weekend, you know, three days later, he kicked me out of his house. And then the agency said, yeah, I have to find a place on my own until I find a new family, which was insane to be in a country where you don't know anyone and the language isn't your mother tongue. So I was just lost and I contacted all my friends that I get to know there. And I luckily had one cousin who lived in the city and I asked him if I could crush his place. And he had a girlfriend at that time who they were just fresh in a new relationship. And she was so lovely. And it was the coolest thing because they did allow me to crush their place and they gave me a, a place to you know, sleep. And they were, you know, both just pretty cool with it. And so it was really a lifesaver for me. And I'm super grateful for that opportunity. And so through that time, I was starting to contact all kinds of families that I got into contact with throughout those, you know, one and a half years. And there, there was a family that I found uh, in Westchester where I would nanny like a few times on the weekends. And the mom didn't need me until like two months later. And I tried to explain to her that it wouldn't work out because the agency does, cannot wait that long for me in order to move on with another family. And so after one week, the agency contacted me and they said, look, we found an LLC who's providing, who can provide you with a place to stay, but you have to get there on your own. And so one of my friends drove me all the way up to Yorktown Heights, which is like, we're even further away than upstate New York. It was truly somewhere in the forest. I think the first supermarket was like 45 minutes away. And uh, I had to like unpack my uh, luggage to walk there for like an hour and then to do my groceries and walk back. So I was spending just two hours getting to a supermarket and back. And she had seven kids. So I would sleep like in a basement with like seven other kids. And it was a pretty wild experience, I do have to admit. And I was just in such a miserable state that I really, I was in a victim position. I was asking questions like, why is this happening to me? Why am I suffering? And why are all these other girls having such a great time and I don't? And at some point I got a phone call from the agency and they said, you know, we've talked to all the families that you were with and they all said the same about you. They said that you're eating too much organic food and it's very healthy, but healthy is very expensive in New York. And so they cannot accommodate you with all of that, which is pretty insane. So what basically she was trying to tell me is that I shouldn't eat healthy in order to stay here. But I thought this is so ridiculous. And so I called this Westchester family and I told her that. And then the agency told me that they decided uh, to book my flight back home. And they booked it for like the next two days. So they said, you know, we, we give you another two days here and then you can fly back home to Berlin. And I was like, first of all, I don't even live in Berlin. So at least like book my flight to my town. And then two days after spending, you know, having a life for one and a half years in this country, I, I needed more time to say goodbye to friends and to pack my stuff and know how I can 
ship all my life back to Germany. And so I again called the Westchester family and I explained to the mom everything that happened. And the mom turned out to be a lawyer. And so she told me that she's going to take action right now because it was illegal what they were doing. And after a long, you know, back and forth of phone calls, the Westchester mom called me and she said, look, you could take it to the bar with this agency, but you wouldn't come out really making profit of it other than suing those people. And my anger was really so high that I truly wanted to actually do it. But then at some point, something in my body told me, don't, don't lower, lower your vibrations. Don't lower your level, you know, down to their level. It's you stay high vibrational, stay high frequency. And I haven't done it, but then I called the agency and I said, I need at least one more day, like, or two more days to say goodbye. And so I got picked up by my friend and I spent it the last few days, like at somewhere at Times Square and uh, would just do like, so try to figure out how to get all my luggages back home. And when I came back to Europe, my parents didn't know that I would come back. And so they were truly disappointed because they thought I failed and they felt, uh, you know, we accomplished because they said, you know, we knew that it's not going to be, we told you that it's just an illusion pretty much. And so I created also this narrative that maybe it is an illusion. Maybe becoming an actress cannot be a living. And so I started finding a job in retail, in like a retail store um, in, in the Netherlands. And, and I found a business, you know, a business studies also in the Netherlands. Um, so I went to university and I studied international business and management. And I thought, this is it. I'm just gonna study business and um, maybe like create a boutique because I was also working in fashion back then. And I was working parallel in a shoe store for men called Suit Supply. And after four months, I really became discouraged. Um, I was missing something and I knew it had to do with the acting and I didn't really like um, the acting schools in Germany. And I will also talk about that in specific in my other episodes, um, why I do believe that it didn't serve me in Germany. Um, but there was something about, you know, being here in New York and, and doing what I love. And so I started applying secretly for the same acting studio that I visited over the summer but this time for the professional conservatory. And at some point I, I was on my way to the university and I had a very spiritual friend. Uh, she was from Tibet. And she told me, you know, we were talking about like, what should I do? Like, I don't feel happy doing these business studies and I just miss, you know, acting. And she said, you're going to get a sign. If something feels right to you, the universe will show you no matter what. And so I said, okay, she's right. And um, we, we got to the university and the guy that was driving us, he had a brand new car and he didn't want his car to get a scratch. So he parked at like a, all the way to the end where no other car was parking. And when, by the time I would open the door, I would like step out and look down and it was quite funny and maybe it sounds cheesy, but there was like a U.S. penny. 
And I thought, well, this is quite funny. You know, I'm here in Europe, in the Netherlands. And how often do you find like a European penny uh, somewhere in the US on the floor? And I said, okay, well, maybe I'm just exaggerating. Maybe that's not even a sign. But I did pick it up and I thought it was just funny. But then when I went to university, we on that day, we got our exams and accounting and I completely failed the exam. And the professor talked to me and she said, you know, you would have to really work hard for the next exam. So you would get those points plus the points that you're missing in this one. And I hated it. It was just dry and not fun. And I thought, oh, it's just, I'm missing something here. So when on our way back, we were going to, um, to stop at the library and continue studying because it was like a study phase for all the exams. And I was sitting in the library and I remember very well that I was just not feeling it. I was not happy. And I just had a moment where I would close my eyes and meditate. And then I asked a question like, dear God, like, please give me a sign. That was really something that I've done. And then in the moment I opened my eyes, I got an email and I checked the email and I received an email from the acting studio saying, congratulations, you've got a, a seat like in our professional conservatory and we would love to have you join. And I said, this is it. This is my sign. And I left the library on that day and I never went back. And when I told my mom about it, she was absolutely not happy. But I did tell her like, look, if you like it or not, I will go because I don't want to lay in my deathbed saying I have never tried. And that's just something you have to know. Like you have to try whatever it is, whatever you imagine in your mind, whatever you dream about, you do it for a reason. And whatever, whatever you can see exists in a 3D version for you. And so I booked my flight and I just threw it on the table and my mom knew, okay, she's very serious about that. And so I came back to New York and I, before I came, I talked actually um, to my boss about it, who was in, in in the retail store and they gave me a really attractive offer of becoming a global stylist because I was head of visual merchandising. I was already the head and I was doing really well. And I loved just talking to people and styling people and, you know, making them look good because I would get really a lot of great energy from that. And so they were asking me like, don't you want to become a global stylist? And I thought, wow, this would be great. I would just travel all around the world, go to Milan, Paris, London, and really dress all these beautiful models. But then I loved the acting so much that I couldn't resist that offer and I couldn't miss that chance. So I asked them if they could transfer me to the Soho store here in New York. And they said, yeah, of course. And so when I came by that time, I arrived in New York and I, and I only had like one Airbnb place in New Jersey for a month or so. And I immediately hit up that store and I said, you know, I would love to work with you. And they said, yeah, we would love to have you. And I thought, wow, things are going so well. This all sounds just amazing. And when I told my acting school about it, they could not do it. They said, we cannot um, support your visa status with that. 
And so I had to say no to one of these two. And um, so I said no to the retail store. And I talked to my mom and I begged her to like help me out with a credit uh, that she would take for me. And really, luckily, she did. And I'm forever grateful for that. And so through that time, I just went to acting school and all I could think about was acting, acting, acting. But, you know, there were so many struggles with being on my own, really on my own, because I didn't have a place or no one would provide me with something other than myself. So I was starting to look for places to crash and I didn't have really a lot of money. So I, by the end of the month, I found like a place all the way in Queens Village behind JFK on a mattress in a kitchen. And, you know, it was the best thing that I could have taken for that time, I guess. And maybe not. Maybe I could have found something better, but I believe that that was something that I should have just gone with. And it was really a hard, hard time. I worked so hard during that time. I would go to my school at 5 p.m. and do, because it was an evening program, and I would do it until like 10 p.m. And then I would take the train out there to Queens Village and arrive like by 2 a.m. and sleep like four hours until 6 a.m. and then drive back to the city to do all my homework and do the rehearsals until I would then find an option to find a place and, and find a way to make some money. And I, I lived like that for like another six months. But then I found a really great opportunity and I found this, you know, amazing girl in the library in my acting studio who I told her everything And I was just discouraged. I was having just a breakdown moment. And she saw it and she said, well, look, you remember, you remind me of myself. And I believe you should check out this place that's in a city. And it was a convent. And so I walked there and I only had like $150 in my pocket left. And I got to the convent and I told the woman like, look, I have another two weeks left in my place out in Queens Village. And I don't really have enough money to like continue another month there. I need a place to stay. And she said, okay, no, no problem. Like you can apply. And then she asked me to pay like $50 for an application fee. And I said, I only have $150 left. This is insane. And then I asked her like, when is the earliest time to move in? And she said, the list is long. So it will take like six till 12 months on the waiting list to even get a room. And I said, no, 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 you don't understand. I might be on the streets in a couple of weeks from now. But I still did it because there was hope. I, I believed like, let's go all in. So I paid $50 and, and applied. And on my way home, there was a German family that I found like on Facebook that would live in the city. And I, I contacted them and I said, look, I'm a student and... I'm doing this and that, and, and then I need some, like, support. And the mom wanted to support me so bad. So she said, do you want to take care of my kids? And so she pretty much texted me on that day when I was walking home from the convent saying, hey, we would love, like, to connect with you because we think you're really great and we would love for you to come and maybe we can find a way to support you. 
And it was really an amazing time of my life because it that's where I started becoming like super spiritual. I I gained the spiritual connection and I started to believe and things are happening for a reason. And I believed also in the universe, like there is something higher than us. And two days before my rent would run out in the Queen's Village place, this family contacted me again and they said, look, uh, we'll, we'll let you know today if we can help you with stuff or with, with your living situation here. And two hours later, the convent emailed me saying like all the girls that were on the list, either their internship ended or they already left back to their country. So a room opened up for me and they asked me if I want to have that room. And I immediately like said yes. And it was like $550 for a room, but it was in Chelsea and it was a great location. So I, I didn't know how to pay it, but I just said yes, because it felt just right. And literally a couple minutes later, the family contacted me and they said, look, I think we have we've, we found a solution to help you. Why don't you just meet us? And I thought, wow, sometimes you just have to commit. Not just sometimes, like when things feel right, you have to commit and the universe will help you to get there. And so that situation helped me out all the way, all the way until I graduated from my acting school. And I then happened to be in like, I got like an OPT, which is like an optional program training uh, from the US where you're allowed to work. And so I applied as much as I could. And I ended up in a Broadway show and an off-Broadway show. And I met a guy there who I started dating and he and I then started to live together and pandemic hit. Um, and that was like end of 2019. And so I also started like right after graduation to apply for the green card as an entrepreneur. And my application was put on hold because of the lockdown. And so I didn't know what to do. And I was talking to my boyfriend at that time about it. And he offered me for free to get married. And he said, look, I, we love each other. We would just fasten the process a little because I don't want you to leave. I think you're great. And I want you to come with me and live in LA together. And after a long time of thinking, I, I said, yeah, okay, this is it. So I said, yes. And we, I then contacted my lawyer and one week in, and my visa would run out like two weeks later, this guy came home, my ex-boyfriend, and he then told me that one of the girls in the cast that was with us offered him for $5,000 to marry her. And he said, look, I love you. I would never do that. I just wanted to let you know that that happened. And I said, okay, this is crazy. But yeah, this is really intense. And then a few days later in, and I'm only like one week away from like, you know, having my visa to expire. He came home over dinner and he then told me that the same girl went up to 10K to marry her. And he said, look, I'm unemployed, but he did receive unemployment and I would you know, not ask you to pay $10,000, but I'm wondering, like, could you 
pay me 5,000 at least, and I would totally do it with you. And I was just in shock. In that moment, I so many things went through my body and mind. I just was disappointed. And it taught me that you can never rely on other people and don't have expectations because expectations will disappoint you at any time. You just have to take care of your own shit. That's just what it is. If you're in a relationship or not, if you're married or not, you have to take care of your stuff. And so I said, no, I I can't. I This doesn't feel right. It didn't feel right before and it, I just can't do it. And so I broke up with him. And I, I did find like a language school to continue with, but... I was definitely very disappointed and, and it brought me back to so many moments from the first time I came to the US to my childhood and I knew I had to flip my life and so I met a girl at that time in my convent who told me about the book The Secret and I should start reading it and that book officially changed my life. Because the way I was thinking didn't serve me. And the, I w- the way I was acting and behaving didn't serve me as well. And I will, in the next few episodes, tell you in greater depth about many events that I happen to land on and go through. And what I've learned from it. But, you know, for now, I'm still in the US. I'm still acting. I'm making my own movies. And I'm, you know doing what I love, but I will really tell you how I got here until, you know, to this point, step by step, and what I've learned from all of these events and moments and relationships that I've had. And I just want to thank you so much for taking your time to listen to my podcast. And I'm very excited to share more and hopefully you can learn and, and live a life full of joy, full of happiness and authenticity. And find your success and confidence and courage in life. But for now, if you can do me the biggest favor, hit a comment, you know, like, please subscribe. And I'll see you until the next time. Thanks. Bye.